Good morning. My name is Chuck. You probably don't know me. I'm new. I've been here 31 days, okay? That's right. Let's go. Some of you are like, that doesn't matter to me. It matters to me, all right? I've been here longer than the February is a month long, all right? So it's a big, it's a big deal for me, all right? Um, I, I'm super pumped about being here. My name is Chuck. You can call me Jay-Z if you want to because I call my baby Beyonce all the time. So if you're like... He is not cool enough to be Jay-Z. It don't matter to me, all right? I'm just trying to raise my kids to think I am the best ever. But I want you guys to know that we are just super excited that you guys are here. And, you know, we did get a chance to last week to start off this It's Complicated series. And, uh, you know, if you were here last week or if you weren't here last week and, and anything that we talked about, man, if there are any questions that arise, man, will you please let us as a, a leadership team know, let our staff know. We just want to, to make sure we help you guys out in any way that's possible. Now, this week, we're talking about it being complicated and we're talking about marriage. And some of you guys are like, I'm not married, okay? Some of you guys are like, I've been married like 87 years or things like that. Here's what I want you to know. If you've been married 87 years, I wanna meet you because you're lying, all right? But if you're married, today really is for you, all right? It, it is for you. If you're single and you wanna get married someday, I believe that this is for you. If you're married and you never, or sorry, if you're single and you never ever wanna get married, I still think today is for you as you get a chance to walk alongside people who are married that you get to support and encourage. And if you're a kid or a teenager in here and you're like, why am I here? It's a valid question, okay? But I will say this, you're one of those people I just said. And so I believe that God can use this today to be a part of it because here's the deal. Marriage is complicated. I, I want to let you know that it is complicated because um, we talk to each other, okay? You say words or some of you, and there may be other ways that you communicate, but because you communicate and tell things to the other person, it's complicated because we're not always the smartest people, okay? My wife and I get frustrated with each other because of the words and the phrases that we say. My wife has this one phrase that literally makes me want to punch cars, okay? I'm just talking about any cars, all right? My, I have a statement that my wife loathes. Here's Amy's statement. My wife's name is Amy, by the way. Her statement is she says this, holla, it's not right. <laughs> Cannot use that phrase. It wasn't cool when Gwen Stefani tried it with holla back girl. It wasn't cool four years later when people were like, holla, it's not good, all right? My wife says holla and I immediately shut down and be like, you're done. What's done? All of it is done. That's my wife's phrase. Now, some of you, like, y'all got phrases, okay? Y'all think we're jacked up, and we can be. Y'all got some phrases, too, but here's my phrase that I think is much more socially acceptable. I believe if Jesus could use it, he would, and it's, let's go. Here's why. It does not matter what you're doing. Pizza was incredible at Center Court Pizza. Let's go. I got the right peanut butter instead of the crunchy type that I got the one before. Let's go. Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I'm not even a Chiefs fan. Let's go. It doesn't matter. I use it with literally a scripture that Jesus just really speaks to me. Have I ever been like, let's go. Yes, I have with the word of God. Okay. That's my phrase. It wears my wife out. We took a vote. I, I literally put this on my children because they're very manipulated. I mean, I can manipulate them very well. You're like, that's bad parenting. It is, but I'm just telling you I'm a bad parent, all right? We took a poll. What do you think about Hollaback or, uh, or Holla, not Hollaback, sorry. That's not, she's not a big Gwen Stefani fan, but I was like, what do you guys think about Holla? And my kids voted, uh, we voted as a family. There's six of us, four kids, me and my wife, four to two. Hollaback should never be spoken again. 
My wife does not count as one of the votes because it was her votes. The 11 year old that voted for it, I'm done with her. All right. I'm done. Don't want to see it. Um, but there's a lot of different things. Instagram. I haven't been on Instagram in about a year and a half. Do not pick Valentine's Day weekend to get back on Instagram. It'll just make you mad at everything. Okay. Anything made me mad when I was just like, I literally am the best wife in the world. And this is my perfect husband that I want you guys to see as we're all dressed up in our fancy new clothes that we just got at the gap and we'll never wear again. We're going to take it back and get the money back. Like, or these are my perfect angels. This is Timmy, and he literally has an IQ of, of 207. And this is Mary Ann. Mary Ann has already saved 17 people from a drowning ship. Like, they just keep talking about stuff. And I'm like, You're, I don't like your kids. Like, I don't care enough about your life to read this anymore. Like, we just put it, put it out there. Uh, I like to be competitive as a husband. Not good. Like, I wanted to be fair, be like, baby, um, can you put the kids to bed? I've done it, and this is literally our life, because she's been in Arkansas, and I've been here for a month, and um, she's like, I've literally done it 31 days in a row, and I was like, well, it's 29, baby. I mean, I get a little competitive. I like to turn into a lawyer at times and just, like, exhibit A, everything. Like, Amy, can I just tell you why you are so lucky to have this man in your life? Like, some of you are like, you're not attractive enough to say that. You're not, and I get it. I live in a delusional world where I am the main character all the time. Marriage is messy, man. Marriage is complicated. There's a lot of reasons why. You guys have reasons why marriage is. If you're going to be married, there's reasons why your marriage is going to be complicated and messy. And there's just a lot. I want to talk to you about two today. We're going to look at a, a passage in scripture, but the first one, Kenny did an incredible job last week. Um, Kenny's at Sugarland this week. We're going to be, during this series, we're going to have an opportunity to have a bunch of different communicators just kind of to, that are on staff with us just kind of be a part of this series. I'm very excited about what God is going to do. But Kenny last week really laid out incredibly for us this background of why it is complicated, why things are complicated. And I just want to touch on that for a second because the first reason that, that marriage is complicated is because relationships are broken. I mean, marriage is a relationship. And uh, relationships are broken. Now, here's what that looks like. In Genesis 1 and 2, you have this story. Okay, now, it is scripture. It is the word of God. But I just want you to think about it as a story for a second. It is the story of God realizing that he wants to do something out of nothing. And looking at it, he begins this incredible process of creating planets and animals and landscapes and art and music. He just continues to just get creative and, and wisdom and paints these incredible, beautiful strokes of what he wants to make. In Genesis 2, he begins to, to make sure that there are animals and everything that, like, that's out there. And here's what's incredible. Everything has perfect connection. Everything has a pure connection. The connection between, like when in Genesis 2, when, when you see people come on the, the scene, people have perfect connection with each other. They have perfect connection with God and perfect connection with creation. I want you to think about for a second, what would it look like to live in, ex in an existence where there's no pain, no shame, no guilt, and no hurt? Now, that's not the existence I live in. Just ask my wife about any random Tuesday. I tend to live and even cause pain, shame, guilt, and hurt in my marriage and in the relationships that are around me. Genesis 1 and 2, none of that, none of that existed. Imagine living in, the, in a place where the strongest connection ever held by two people existed because brokenness had not entered the world yet. World yet. And here's kind of what that looks like in Genesis 2. So here's what begins to happen. 
The Lord is, you know, creating stuff. And then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. The scripture at this point, everything's good. It is good. God, if you read Genesis 1, it is good. It is good. It is good. It is very good. It keeps going. This is the first negative comment in the Bible. It's not Genesis 3 when we talk about what broke. The first negative comment in the Bible is when he looks and he looks at Adam and says, it is not good that the man should be alone. It doesn't say that it's not good for him to be lonely. It literally specifically talking about Adam says, it is not good that this guy who I have tasked to do something in the world, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. It keeps going in verse 19, and it says, Now out of the ground the Lord God had, um, had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. I literally don't know what that looked like. I wish God would have given me that job because I think Adam screwed it up a couple of times. I'm not really happy with aardvark, okay? Aardvark is not something for all of history. I think, I think Adam had a rough night's sleep. Something was going down. Um, uh, platypus, he could have done a better job. I think he just got lazy. Adam was lazy. And I don't think it's sacrilegious to say that in church, but I think Adam just could have done a better job on a couple of things. Bison makes no sense to me. I just think big, ugly cow is what he should have gone with. And, th and that would have been a better, uh, a better description. It keeps going. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Whatever Adam said it was going to be, now it is. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But even with this, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So you look at it and you go, God has something very, very unique that he wants to happen here. In everything that he has created, he looks and says, but there is not a helper fit. So it goes on in verse 21. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he, when, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Verse 23. Then the man said, this is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So as we look at this, here's what we see God doing. Not ashamed mentioned here is a picture of how perfect this connection was. Nothing was hindering connection with God. Nothing. Nothing was hindering connection with all of creation. Nothing. And nothing was hindering creation between the first two people. Between a relationship that God had said, it is not good Adam, for you to be alone. There is something I am calling you to. And guess what? You alone are not able to walk this the way that I want you to walk this. So I'm going to find a helper suitable for you so y'all can help and walk toward what I want to happen as you walk into the world. Now, think about that for a second. This is a pretty incredible reality. Nothing was hindering any connection. I don't know what your marriage is like. I don't know what the marriages that you've seen are like, but we are kind of far from that reality. I'm, I'm far from that in my reality. Not like I, do I think I have a good marriage? Yes. I'm also, I've been in, in counseling for nine years. We have believed in marriage counseling. We have believed in what that does and the way that it helps us as a person and as people and as two that have become one. I believe in it very, very much. And because of today, today may sound a little bit different than what you expect to hear in church. It may sound different than the things that you may think that the message that you were going to hear, but I want to challenge you to do is to give margin and space that when you walk out of here in a few minutes, that you have something and a truth to hold on to that you get to walk forward with. 
That's a Genesis 2 reality. Because of Genesis 3, a relationship broke. Here's what happens. Adam, uh, or, or Eve actually, buys in to this twisted version of truth. A lot of fear is involved in that to some degree, but she gets involved with a twisted version of truth. Um, everything in creation breaks because of brokenness entering, uh, because of sin entering. Everything breaks. Love breaks. I think I love my wife a ton. I think I love my kids a ton, and I do. But the truth is, it is not the Genesis 2 reality of what love was intended to be. It's a broken sense of love. Because I'm broken because of sin. Relationships are broken in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have goodness in your life, but it's just saying it is not the way that it was originally intended to, to, to be. Pain, shame, guilt, and hurt exist because of what happened in Genesis 3. When relational connection broke, our connection between God broke, our connection with creation broke. This is where self-protection started. This is when we start blaming Adam's like, it was Eve, straight up, Eve, all Eve, E-V-E, frontwards and backwards, everything's the same, it's all Eve. Palindrome, baby, I learned some stuff in AP English. Eve's like, uh, nope, it was the Satan, capital T, capital S, the big dog, like that, that joker right there. See, all of a sudden, we are now shifting and blaming, and instead of perfect connection, we begin to see things break because of blaming, and then it goes on in chapter three, and you see them hiding in the garden because all of a sudden, instead of realizing that they were naked, and here's the deal, we don't talk about nakedness enough in the church, and I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, people hear that, and they go, uh, you can't say that, church. Well, I'm going to say it twice. We don't talk about nakedness enough in church. See, the idea there is that they were vulnerable in front of each other, and that vulnerability goes beyond just the physical. The vulnerability was the heart, soul, mind, and body. What God talks about in Deuteronomy 6 and Mark 12, there's this idea that there was a vulnerability there and that there was no shame. They were not ashamed. And all of a sudden, because relationships and creation and everything broke because of sin, here's what happens. There's a picture and a story where Adam and Eve try to get away and hide. They realize they're naked. All of a sudden, everything begins to happen, fear and everything else. God asked this question. Talks about him walking in the garden. Now, I want you to know that the word picture there for the way that the original text was supposed to be is the word meander, which is just a big, weird word that means stroll. God was not bouncing around like Thor, hacked off, looking for Adam and Eve. He was strolling, asking a curious question. Where are you? God knew where they were. In the story, God knew where they were. It's not like he was going, I wonder. They're so good at hide and seek. These guys are amazing. Are they under the eucalyptus tree? Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a eucalyptus tree in the garden, by the way. Don't hold me to some theological standard that's impossible, okay? I don't know what kind of bushes or trees or foliage or anything like that, and I don't care. But here's all I know. I kind of care, but not really, not in the context of this. God is strolling and meandering, asking a curious question, where are you guys? Connection is broken. He knew it. Adam and Eve are starting to figure something out. There was this curiosity that he wanted to get to them. He wanted to pursue them. He wanted to know where they are. His desire was to begin to reconnect. Relationships are broken, and that definitely complicates marriage. I mean, relationships being broken makes all relationships hard. I mean, name a friendship that's not hard at times. Name a relationship with your kids. I mean, I love my kids. I'm not even a violent person. I would fight all you jokers over my kids, and some of you would literally not have to work that hard. 
but I would go toe to toe for my wife and for my children because I love them so much. But it can be complicated. Relationships are complicated. So the next thing, marriage is complicated because of fear. Now, I'm not talking, you're like, I ain't scared of my woman. I ain't scared of my man. I'm not talking about like bowing up and be like, oh, my wife can't tell me what to do. I tell my wife all the time, listen, I'm 97% right, but I leave you 3%. How, how, how lucky are you that you get that 3%? Do I believe it? 97% of the time, I believe it. It's not really true. It's not really true, but here's the deal. There is this idea that marriage is complicated because of fear. It is the fear in a relationship is the opposite of a Genesis 2 reality. See, in a Genesis 2 reality, before brokenness, uh, before uh, relationships broke and before connection to God and connection to creation and connection to each other broke, here's what we get to do. We get to walk beside each other. We get to communicate and hang out with God, and there's nothing hindering us. Because of brokenness, think about all the things that hinder our connections and relationships to God, to each other, and to creation. Not just pain, shame, hurt, fear. There's so many things that do that. And what begins to show up because of fear is this thing called a fear cycle. And here's what a fear cycle is. I want you to think about a loop, just this ongoing loop. And a fear cycle is this. It is a loop within marriage, and it can really happen in any relationship, but specifically today, we are talking about marriage. It is a loop within marriage that can happen when something triggers pain. Now, I want you to think about the last time that something triggered pain in your life. I'm going to be just really straight up with you. When things trigger pain in my life, fear that I'm not going to be okay is like the first thing I feel. Most of the time, it's not, God's going to take care of this. It's just not me. Most of the time, just to be super transparent, it's not, God's got this. It's usually like, I got to figure some stuff out right now. That, that's usually where I go. And the reason is because fear is a huge thing in my life. So this fear cycle for me within marriage is a loop within marriage that can happen when something triggers pain. When something painful happens, we become fearful we will not be okay. We don't react like we are in a Genesis 2 reality where I get to walk through with a helper not ashamed, vulnerable to each other, and okay that we're vulnerable to each other. No, see, I walk in a Genesis 3 reality where all of a sudden shame are real, pain is real, guilt is real, hurt is real, and fear is so real, it creates these loops. We react with shame and blaming, and we react like we really don't want to help. We just want to win an argument. Some of you guys are like, dude, is, is this real? I was like, I'm just going to tell you, I've been married 15 years. In two weeks, it'll be 15 years. And I'm literally defining for you what I fight for in marriage is to break out of these cycles. We tend to react in fear, not as two people being brought together to live out their journey together, connecting to God. We don't tend to walk in a Genesis 2 reality. And you're like, Chuck, we're never going to have that. You're 100% right. But it doesn't mean that I can't fight to get as close to this godly connection with my wife, to get as close to a connection with God and get a, as close as I can to a great connection with his creation. It doesn't mean that I can't fight for a Genesis 2, the freedom that comes with what that looks like, even though I live in a Genesis 3 world. And in the fear cycle, there are two different kinds of roles, two different kinds of people. In any kind of marriage relationship, there's a pursuer and a withdrawer. I'm a pursuer because I'm a jerk, okay? There's also a withdrawer. You can also be a jerk, okay? Equal access to jerk status in this deal. Fear usually has us be two different kinds of roles. The pursuer, here's what the pursuer is. Chases the withdrawer. They are the protester. They are the criticizer. They are the lawyer. 
It is not this great definition of what God intended in a marriage relationship. That is me. The withdrawer pulls away from the pursuer. They are the hider, the quiet one, the avoider. So here's what it looks like for Chuck as a pursuer. They're just You're going to be like, we never should have hired this dude. This guy's the worst ever. Like, why is this guy even on stage? He should be maybe helping people get popcorn, maybe at a parking lot, not even this parking lot. Another church could probably use this dude a whole lot better. Here's who Chuck is as a pursuer. Critical. By the way, I'm amazing as that. You want to talk about a spiritual gift? Just watch me get critical. I'm amazing at it. It's like I have this supernatural ability to be critical about anything. My wife's like, why do you have an opinion about everything? I was like, because I can, and it's really fun. But when I, when I am in that pursuer role, I am critical. I am anxious. I am sarcastic. I'm so good at that, too. I'm passive-aggressive. Sometimes I'm aggressive-aggressive. Um, I, and I want to be the fixer. You look at what a Genesis 2 reality was to be like in this perfect connection where everything spun inward to God, spun inward to each other, and spun inward to creation. And as the pursuer, what I do is I begin to, to trigger these cycles. As a withdrawer, and this is Amy's list, by the way, okay, I didn't like define my wife and get all mad and y'all stay around for the 11 o'clock service and say, your, your husband's a jerk and you need to know what he said. My wife defined these on herself. As a withdrawer, someone that is the hider, the quiet one, or the avoider, she's on her phone a whole lot more. She binge watches some Netflix and Hulu like it is literally water, and she is in a desert. Like this, I'm just like, baby, you okay? Get out of my face. She is in bed a whole lot more. She sleeps a whole lot more, and she is irritable and short in responses. So here's what the cycle looks like. Here's what it looks like when I don't fight for a Genesis 2 reality and I just want to get this fear cycle going is I pursue Amy with criticism and she withdraws by shutting down. Now, some of you in marriage right now, you need to be going, who's the pursuer? Who's the withdrawer? That needs to be a conversation that you have. Some of you are like, you're just starting a fight, Chuck. Like I'm literally going to be at Cain's today and we're about to pursue and withdraw all the way through my chick's plate or my Slim's plate. I want to challenge you guys to have conversations that you might normally have and to lean into the fact that we fight for a Genesis 2 reality, but we live in a Genesis 3 reality knowing that these cycles happen. I pursue Amy with criticism and she withdraws by shutting down. And when my baby shuts down, that lady can power down like nothing else. Just like, nothing. I mean, just like stoic. Baby, how you doing? I just won $10,000. Nothing. Baby, how you doing? Deacon's on the roof nothing. It's just like, I don't care. <laughs> I pursue Amy with criticism and she withdraws by shutting down. I get triggered by her silence. So I start trying to talk more and trying to fix it. And then the more I try to fix it, the more shame she feels and the more she pulls away. Do you see the cycle? I blame her for shutting down. She shuts down even more. And all of a sudden we're in this cycle based off fear of I'm not okay. Are we okay? What is happening? And instead of fighting for the connection that comes with the Genesis 2 reality, I just let fear complicate so many things. And I want to normalize it for you. It makes sense that fear complicates things. It makes sense. But what I want to encourage you guys to do is to help just to kind of step out of that. When she was, um, when she was, uh, when she had had a baby, she was, uh, let's see, our oldest was three months old, I think. I mean, we were still learning how to be parents and we just weren't that good at it. Everyone's just like, she's a, he's a natural father, but I was not. Okay. 
Came home, the, the house, I'd worked all day. My wife still not going back to work yet. I came home and the house looked like small elves just ran through and said, I hate the butler so much and I'm ripping everything up. And I walk through the front door, I don't see my wife and I literally say this out loud. What did you do all day? Yep. Thank you. Where were you 15 years ago? So easy right now, everybody. Thank you so much for your support. You're so wise. I didn't even see her. That woman comes around the corner holding a naked child. She's like, what did you say? I just started spelling gorgeous, like gorgeous, just godly, just gifted. You are a helper suitable for me. We are not ashamed. Like, I just didn't know what to do. And let me just tell you, you talk about spinning into a cycle. Here's what it actually happened was this, is I was so concerned about fear of, I don't know what it looks like to be a parent. My confession should have been something like this. I didn't really know what, was, what it was gonna look like to have a baby. My expectations were high and not fair. And quite honestly, they're not being met and I feel disappointed all the time. See, that's a little bit different. That's not walking in fear. That's confessing something humbly and getting curious. And I, and I wanna tell you this too. Sometimes these fear cycles, we can laugh about them, but sometimes they escalate into really abusive situations. And if you find yourself in any of those today, I want you to know that the bridge is here for you. That is not walking into Genesis to reality. And one of the things that we want you to know as the bridge is that we want to help in any way possible. But as we look at this, how do, we, how do we fight for a Genesis 2 type connection? Here's the deal. You need to practice humble confession and humble curiosity. You're like, I, I don't know what that is, Chuck. This is not an English grammatical lesson. I don't understand what is happening. Let me, let me talk to you about these two things real quick. Humble confession is this. When your eyes turn in towards your heart, looking at what is happening to me, collecting a picture of what is happening, and then you say it out loud with humility. When your eyes turn in towards your heart, when you get a chance to look at the inside of who you really are, you are fighting for a Genesis 2 type reality. You are fighting for not ashamed. You are fighting for that vulnerability. You are fighting for that connection that we see in Genesis 2 is that two people walking together, helping live out what God has called them to do. We need to cry out to God with that same type of confession. I'm just gonna tell you this. If some of your prayers don't scare yourself, you're probably not being honest in prayer. If some of your scares make you say, I hope no one ever hears that prayer, you're probably not being as honest. If your scares make you nervous because of the messiness that just came out, you probably are beginning to get to a point that God is going, that's what I wanted to hear. So if you're wondering if God can take it, God not only can only take it, he is begging you to hear the real stuff at the core of who you are. He doesn't want to hear a Sunday morning prayer unless that's real in your life. But I'm going to be honest with you. Most of my prayers are not Sunday morning prayers. Most of my prayers are Tuesday at 7 p.m. prayers that are just really messy and don't sound like someone who works at a church. Here's what I know that God does. I believe God wants to meet us there at that place of humble confession. We also need to look at humble curiosity. Here's what humble curiosity looks like. It's questions you ask one another where you truly desire to understand what is happening inside of them. See, it is not based out of fear. Questions you ask one another where you truly desire to understand what is happening inside of them. There is this gentleness and this care that you want to react, not in fear, and you want to know what is happening at the core of who they are. 
So what does all this have to do with being complicated? It's because marriage is this incredible relationship that God has given us. And it's complicated because relationships are broken because of what happened in Genesis 3. Marriage is complicated because of fear. Because instead of fighting for a Genesis 2 reality, we fight to win. We fight to argue. And we fight in ways that lead to shame and pain and guilt. And guess what? I stand before you as someone that doesn't have this figured out. I don't even practice what I preach many times. And Chuck, you shouldn't be saying it. Okay, then I would never open my mouth. The truth is this, I recognize what Jesus wants to do in my marriage relationship. And when I get it right the best is when I fight for that Genesis 2 reality of vulnerability and no shame. And we are connected to God and connected to his creation and connected to each other. So what do you do now? (laughs) Like, what do you do in response to all of this stuff? What do you do if you're at a place in your marriage where you just need to reach out to people? One, I want you to know this. We are here as a church to let you know that not only are no perfect people allowed, but imperfect people make up all of marriages. And we want, as the bridge, want to be a part of that. So what do you do in response to today? Be curious with your marriage. Be curious with your thoughts on marriage. Be curious about who's the pursuer and who's the withdrawer. Be curious about what triggers these cycles in your life. Be curious about what brokenness leads to in that marriage relationship. Be curious about what fear is doing in your relationship. Are you willing to ask this? Are we healthy? How is our connection to God, to each other, and to his creation? Are we evaluating how honest that we are with each other about what is going on in the hearts? Now, in that idea of the heart, it literally is a picture of everything that makes up who you are is your heart. And then how often do we practice humble curiosity and humble confession with each other and God? I hope that today leads you, to lead you guys to Cain's and have a lot of conversations. It's not to start fights. It's to do this. Evaluate where you are. Evaluate the brokenness in your relationship. Evaluate the fear that's in your relationship. Are you fighting for a Genesis 2 reality? Or are you just, just doing the best you can to tread water in a Genesis 3 reality? I believe that Jesus wants us to fight for more. And I believe that our connection to him and our connection to creation and our connection to each other is vital. And in this series, we are looking at the fact that it is complicated and we want to lean into the complications. We don't want to just say, hey, listen, pray about it and be done. No, we want to give you tools and resources to lean into them. And instead of spiraling into these fear cycles and letting brokenness take over, lean into each other. Lean into your connection to God and lean into his creation. Let me pray for you guys really quick. Jesus, I pray victory over every single relationship, single person, student, child in this room. And wherever they land in this idea of marriage and what it looks like in their life, I pray this. I pray victory and I pray that God, they will fight for what we saw established in Genesis 2, even though we can't get there perfectly. And I pray that God, that when we recognize that brokenness is, is taking over and controlling us, I pray that God, you will give us freedom to not to respond in fear, but to humbly confess and to humbly get curious. I pray, Jesus, that small miracles and large miracles begin today, not because of me, but because of the vision that you gave this church and because of who you are and what you want to see happen. We pray all this in your name. Amen.